Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. On Commons People this week... Uh, just for once, shut up, for God's sake, and let everybody else get on with the business of governing. Ian Duncan Smith there calling for loyalty. I will deal with it. What does I will deal with it mean? <laughs> anger at the first council meeting after Grenfell. All of this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the HuffPost UK's politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Paul War, Ned Simons and Rachel Wearmouth. Who knew that warm Prosecco could have such a destabilising effect on UK politics? Well, that's what's repeatedly being blamed for the sniping and backbiting at the top of the Conservative Party. Ian Duncan-Smith is having none of it, and here is his message to those trying to oust Theresa May as Prime Minister. Uh, just for once, shut up, for God's sake, and let everybody else get on with the business of governing. There's not going to be a leadership election. I can I absolutely promise you lay Why money not? on that. Why not? Because there is no mood in the Conservative Party in Parliament for a leadership election. They know what the problem is. Chancellor Philip Hammond, who has been on the receiving end of some slightly dodgy briefing against him, had his own views about who was behind the leaks. If you want my opinion, um, some of the noise... Uh, is generated by uh, people who are not happy with the agenda that I have, over the last few weeks, tried to advance of ensuring that we uh, achieve a Brexit which is focused on protecting our economy, protecting our jobs and making sure that we can have continued rising living standards in the future. Well, that was clips from Sunday's Andrew Marr show. We have had more parties since then. The Prosecco has been warm since then. So, has there been continued to be this kind of backbiting at the top of the Tory party? Or are they all, are they all friends now? What's happening, everyone? Well, the Prime Minister obviously had had enough of it, and that's why she opened Cabinet on Tuesday with this warning to all of them that, you know, the country wants us to see us united, and that's got to start around the Cabinet table. Um, from well, what I, I she, she briefed that in advance. I'm going to brief out she that did. You should, there should be no more briefings. <laughs> yeah, and then she was on LBC um, afterwards saying, when she was asked what she told Cabinet, she said, I can't tell you, and then told um, <laughs> what she said. Exactly. The flavour of oh what my I said God, was. Theresa May's leaking against herself, people. But the curious <laughs> so thing was that at Cabinet, I was told that the only person really to back her up was Damien Green, um, who's her you know, effective deputy well, yeah, PM. yeah, because she's made him <laughs> deputy PM. <laughs> yeah, but everyone else didn't. It's not as if there was this rush. Yes, Prime Minister, yes, you're absolutely right. It was kind of tumbleweed moment where uh, people just sort of looked at their shoes and stuff. But it's interesting, a couple of people, as she said it, a couple of loyal cabinet ministers looked round the cabinet table to see for any 
sort of guilty looks or red faces, and there were none. I was told that there were total poker faces everywhere. So the key suspects, who might be Boris and, and Michael Gove, Apparently there wasn't a flicker of emotion to betray any suggestion that they'd leaked anything. Yeah, but they were kicking each other under the table, weren't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really the Tory was, was telling me at one of these one of these lovely parties that apparently Boris is not behind any of these leaks. It's nothing to do with him, and it's a terrible, terrible suggestion. And I just felt like going, yeah, but that's bollocks, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> Well, the fact is that um, we are where we are, as as Tony Blair used to say, and going into summer recess, you know, where are we with the Tory cabinet wars? Well, it, after PMQs, it looks like PM has sort of calmed people down a bit. It's still not resolved, obviously. She's effectively a, a prime minister on probation, but she's still prime or minister. She is still a prime minister. And Liam Fox this morning on uh, the Today programme said, you know, I, I envisage that she'll remain prime minister for, for full parliament. Well, I mean, we, and not sorry. many people have actually uh, said that I in mean, the cabinet, have the they? Is, so, Liam Fox, he sort of said it's likely she'll remain prime minister, which wasn't necessarily the, then he also really like the, the future, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But this is the point. I mean, Brexiteers like him, they don't want any upset that's going to risk Brexit. They, Brexit is the be-all and end-all. They want it delivered 2019. And even thereafter, they don't want anything to disrupt things. And I get the feeling, actually, that there's quite a few Tory MPs who are, like the public, sick of general elections and think that even in 2019 or 2020, after we've left the European Union, that even if there is a new Tory leader, that, that the pressure from the public won't be strong enough to say, look, we demand a new general election and that somehow they'll get away with what John Major did so and IDS survive for a couple of years. IDS keeps making the point that the Tory backbenchers will not you know will be really annoyed if there's another leadership election and they will be willing to skip a generation back in the leader Rachel what do you think about that do you think that we're looking that people are agitating for the change so we believe that sort of the, the, the traditional faces as Ian Duncan Smith kind of refers to them as by starting the gun they're putting the gun to their own head and they're not going to be the next Prime Minister well that's almost always the the case when um, a leadership question comes up so I guess they'll probably be more names in the hat now than there would have been a month or two ago and do you think it's likely to skip them? Do you think we're going to see we're going to see people from the 2015 intake, perhaps, or the 2010 intake, perhaps suddenly going to emerge as a kind of, you know, I've got no kind of, you know, I'm not associated with the old regime. I can be a fresh face, that kind of thing. Is that is that what you think is likely to happen? Uh, quite possibly, yeah. I think um, you were advocating that it may be Tracy Crouch in the coming months. I think advocating <laughs> is a strong word. I was just saying, I was, I mean, I'm not running. The, I mean, she's a Spurs suggesting, fan. She's clearly, sorry, clearly qualified for the job. I think someone like Tracy Crouch could do it, right? Or, or someone it, of that kind of ilk yeah, who, you know. I suppose it depends when it happens. If there's a leadership challenge very soon, before Brexit negotiations or during Brexit negotiations, it seems more likely to me that the tradition of it not being the favourite wouldn't happen, that someone like David Davis is more likely because you're in the middle of this big negotiation process and having kind of a fresh face might be seen as a risk. Whereas if it's after negotiations are done, then I do agree with you, Rachel, I think then it's more likely to be someone perhaps who's from the, the 2015 intake. It's a timing question, yeah, I think in terms of that sequencing. But, you know, what do we think? Do we think the public, say, say there is a new Tory leader in 2020, after Brexit, do you think the public will say, "Right, you've got no mandate. We demand a general election." We've got no mandate. Cause, cause they have, they have I mean, the, the thing is, a lot of Tory MPs are saying to me this week, and it's interesting. It keeps coming up again and again. We're a parliamentary democracy. We're not a presidency. And, you know, that was what Theresa May found out to her cost in the last general election. This isn't a presidential system. It's a parliamentary system. So if the, the Tory party has nominally a majority with the DUP, doesn't matter who the leader is. 
when we can choose the leader and they will be prime minister. Now, I suspect they might be right about that, but a lot of them are just wondering what the public backlash might be like. I think they might be thinking that because that's what they'd like people to think. I think the public <laughs> do see it as a presidential system much more than perhaps Tory MPs would like them to, given their current circumstances. Is it a coincidence, and it might be, that all these cabinet leaks have started going on since Michael Gove came back to the cabinet? Surely not. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, so anyway, so, but so anyway, so just in conclusion, th- th- one of the things people keep saying is that Theresa May is going to make it to conference and then they'll knife her up the conference a la Ian Duncan Smith 2003, 2004 kind of thing. It might, well, well, there's certainly still an appetite amongst some MPs that something's got to be done after conference. Question is what? I don't know. I mean, let's see. But it would be their last chance saloon, surely, if, if anybody, like you say, from the same generation wants to challenge now. Can we talk about Andrea Ledson. So yeah. In the Commons this week, some, a Labour MP had a joke about um, how there's lots of middle-aged men who want to oust Theresa May. And Ledson stood up and said, are you calling me a middle-aged man? Now, <laughs> I wasn't that, not that much was made of that, but I just think... Confirming the rumours, yeah, isn't it? Just, and, and she didn't... Yeah, anyway, I just wanted to make that point. She also said that Jane Austen was one of Britain's... Uh, was it? Finest living <laughs> authors. Finest living authors today, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she's a one, isn't she? She's a one. And she did go to Grenfell, of course, which was uh, significant. She, you know, very early on. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But she, you know, made a point of being visible when Theresa May wasn't. Let's move on to the Labour Party now and tuition fees. Um, did Jeremy Corbyn or did Jeremy Corbyn not promise to wipe away historic student debt? It is the thing that literally everyone's talking about on Twitter, it seems. Here is Jeremy Corbyn's, a clip of Jeremy Corbyn's interview with the enemy before the election. Have a listen, dear listener. You make your own mind up, and then we'll have a, we'll have a talk about it. Yes, there is a problem of those that currently have a massive debt, and um, I'm looking at ways that we could um, reduce that, ameliorate that, lengthen the period of paying it off, or some other means of remo- reducing that debt burden. I don't have the simple answer for it at this stage. I don't think anybody would expect me to, because this election was called unexpected. We had two weeks to prepare all of this. But I'm very well aware of that problem. And I don't see why those that had the historically misfortune to be at university during the 9,000 period should be burdened excessively compared to those that went before or those that come after. So I will deal with it. So at the end of that, he says, I will deal with it. So he sets out the problem. He sets out a range of solutions. He says he's not sure, but I will deal with it. Now, that was kind of let to run, wasn't it, by Labour as he would wipe off, wipe out historic student debt. And now here's John McDonnell on the Andrew Marr show on Sunday, slightly ran back from it. We're going to try to. We're going to try to. It's a real ambition of ours. I don't want to promise something we can't deliver. I want to be straight. <laughs> let, let me just tell It was promised just no, before, a few days before voting. It wasn't a promise. What Jeremy said, we're going to try and tackle this issue. And one of the reasons we've got to tackle it is because the system itself is collapsing. So now it's an ambition. So what do we think? Because this is the Tories are making big, big hay out of this. They're saying, look, this is Jeremy Corbyn doing a U-turn. He's gone back on the policies. It's going to cost 100 billion, yada, yada, yada. And Labour is saying it was never a policy. It was just... It's just always been ambitious. You know what? I I personally can't get that exercised about it for the simple reason that it oh, wasn't in, it wasn't <laughs> in, it, it wasn't in the Tory manifesto, uh, Labour manifesto. So it wasn't in the Tory manifesto. It wasn't in the Labour manifesto at the time. I don't remember the Tories really making a big deal out of it. Never mind Labour. But more importantly, it's a kind of I know this. We should judge Corbyn by exactly the same rules as every other leader. But it's kind of 
baked in that Jeremy Corbyn will say the wrong thing and he will he'll riff and he'll he'll sort of jam a bit on on his views of the world and just because he riffs and jams doesn't mean it's party policy and so <clears throat> I will deal with it it's so vague it means I will do something it doesn't mean he didn't wasn't specific didn't say I'm going to wipe out the student debt and that's why Angela Rayner in the commons this week went to great lengths, much more than John McDonnell even, to say, look, this was never promised. And these are the reasons it wouldn't be promised, because we need to fully cost it, et cetera, et cetera, and we haven't costed it. Um, but even beyond that, she said we never even, you know, uh, looked at it specifically. So the qu now, obviously, the Tories are really hammering it hard. You know, it's in every Tory MP's briefing notes. There's no question. In the chamber, they got up, they, they harangued her. It was almost like she was the minister under fire during a, an urgent question the other day. But I'm not quite sure it really goes anywhere other than a sort of nice self-help group for Tories to feel a bit of bonding. What do you think, Rachel? Because tuition fees, we know what it did to the Lib Dems, and it's kind of, you've got to really handle with care this, right? And do you think that maybe that Labour should have done more when, when it started getting reported slightly like this in the run-up to the election, Labour should have done more to go, no, no, he, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't saying that. They seem to me to be quite happy to let it run and get the impression out there, because it's not a bad thing to get that question out there. What do you think? Um, I think um, Labour have played with fire on this issue, definitely. Um, I think because he's known to have attracted so many new young voters um, that if he's seen in any way to betray them, um, it's going to be viewed very badly <laughs> um, by those voters. And like you say, the Lib Dems made, made the mistake by reneging on their tuition fees promise, um, and it's haunted them ever since they were punished for it so i did tweet about this before we recorded to get some responses from people about what they thought about whether, whether they thought it was a u-turn uh paul stocker i'm by no means a corbynista but he definitely didn't do a u-turn wasn't in the manifesto another one jake of course of course not it's ridiculous that this clear tory misrepresentation of labor policy is being entertained by the media rather than quashed but a tory mp james cleverly has tweeted saying uh, he sold himself as different, straight-talking, principled, etc. And now he says, read the small print. I said it, but it's not in the manifesto. And then he says, he's just as opportunistic as the Blairites he claims to despise. Oh, two-footed there from Tory MP James Cleverly. But basically, the, the threads that I'm getting on Twitter are people saying, it was never a promise. So, you know, you're just buying it. Even discussing this, Owen Benny, you're just buying into the Tory narrative. Ned, am I? Um, no, I think... He was kind of, you know, he shouldn't have said it really if he wasn't going to back it up. But like Paul says, I think it's one of those things, it's kind of the way he talks. And there was much bigger things Corbyn said during the campaign. You know, the manifesto launch about whether they'd um, uh, change benefit payments, which kind of was a huge muddle. I think with this... Benefit freeze thing. Yeah, benefit yeah. freezes. I think with this, I think it's kind of thing, the Tories will make great hay of it in the chamber, but I don't think it really cut through to young people. I think they'll think more about the bigger policy um, promise. I think Corbyn needs to draw a line under it, though, yeah. and, and, and make a clear statement that I never promised it. He needs to bite the bullet and say, look, I apologise if I was misinterpreted. I think you just can't let it you know, slide as it is. And also, let's face it, a load of Tories talking about tuition fees doesn't do Labour much harm, does it? Because it constantly flags up the fact that people have to pay lots and lots of money. To and even, and even yeah. if young people are annoyed at Corbyn for this a bit, they're not going to suddenly jump the Conservative Party on that issue, are they? But I think Labour have possibly a, a, a wider problem in that they, they want to be all things to all people. Um, so they kind of want to look like they're doing two things at once. They certainly did that in Scotland where you had Kezia Dugdale campaigning very strongly on being a pro-union party. And then um, Jeremy Corbyn would turn up and say, oh, another independence referendum is fine, um, <laughs> which, which certainly worked. And it gave permission to a lot of independence backers to vote Labour again. Um, 
but it, no, it's not going to get Scottish Labour to change their position. Uh, so and they do it on Brexit as well, don't they? Brexit, they, they rule things. We had Rebecca Long Bailey going around saying they their Brexit policies now have cake and eat it. Literally, Boris <laughs> Johnson's words. Yeah. Nuts. Anyway, this week's quiz, people. Good. So there was a survey released this week about life at uni, and I got the stats here for the average income students get from their parents or family while at uni, broken down by uni. Okay. Okay, Ned? So, for example, in Nottingham, my old university, uh, £192.70 people got a month on average from their parents. From to help their them. parents? Okay. Yeah, £192 a month all right, all right. on average from their parents to help them get through uni, right? So, I'm going to read out some other unis, and you've got to tell me if it's more than Nottingham or less than Nottingham. If it's more than Nottingham, bank of mum and dad. Okay. If it's less than Nottingham, struggling real bad. <laughs> oh my god. You haven't that. done one of those for ages. I know. <laughs> See me walk around the office and try to yeah. make it up. Anyway, so okay, so hundred ni- so do students at this uni get more than £192.70 a month from their parents? Okay, ready? Newcastle. Um what's the lower one? Struggling really Struggling bad. Real bad. That one I think it's I think it's less. I think it's be bank bank of mum and dad. I agree with Paul. Yeah. Uh you're right. They get two hundred and thirty pounds ten P a month. Uh Aberdeen. Struggling really bad. Yeah, I'd be tempted to say that as well. Yeah, lower than. I'll say the higher one then. You're right. They get a whopping three hundred and fifty-one pound twenty. Is this just a quiz to come about how hard done by you are? You're <laughs> like, oh, the universities. <laughs> everyone got more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the average, remember? So I, you know, I was in coal. Um, Coventry. Coventry. Um, Coventry. Is not Warwick. Coventry. No, Coventry. Um, oh. Struggling really bad. Yeah, I think I'm struggling really bad. Um, I'll, I'll go for Bank of Mum and Dad just to. It is one hundred eighty-three pound ten. So struggling really bad. Uh, Liverpool. Mum and Dad. Bank of Mum and Dad. Struggling really bad. Struggling really bad. One hundred forty-four pound fifty. Oh. Um, and finally, let's say, let's say Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> not UEA. Not UEA. Just Norwich. Norwich. Well, if it's not uh, UEA, students in these towns, I think. So Norwich. Um, Mum and oh. Dad. Bank of mum and dad, then, yeah. Mum and dad. No, real bad. £129.50. Oh. Do you know what the, the highest uni... The uni Let me guess. I think it's Exeter. Is it Exeter? Uh, Exeter was one, two, like fourth or fifth. Aren't they the ones that got the highest proportion of car ownership of any student? I haven't got those stats but... Rage, Ro- Rage Rover Yeah, probably. Something, the something like yeah, that. Yeah, bloody Exeter. I used to live in... Go on, what's so. the top one? Top Durham. one is Durham. Ah, I was going to say Durham. £412.90. Yeah, yeah you're the woods, isn't it? <laughs> Durham. Do you have a list of all the universities there? Uh, the, the lowest one What's was the Hull, £129.20. Wow. Uh, and St Andrews was... Does anybody care? £223.80. Anyone <laughs> do you want me to what read that What I find there? amazing is that even the low ones, 129 quid a month, you're being sent that by your parents. Yeah. I find family. that incredible. Why? Just, I mean... You think what? it's a lot or not a lot? That's still a lot, I think. God, so you're... No, because it just, should your no. kids listen to this now as opposed <laughs> yeah, to go to uni? Because surely if you've got a student loan work, yeah. um, and you're taking out yeah. a loan for the maintenance grant, yeah. then how can you... Say you've got parents who aren't particularly wealthy. How would they can they afford to send you 129 quid a month? I don't well, get that. It, it looks like the student loans are the biggest contribution. Uh, average is £414 a month. And then parents right, average £200 a month. Yeah, right. Personal savings, £100 a month. Turn time work, kind of £100. Crikey. Bursary scholarship, another £100. Holiday work, overdraft. 
sponsorship. I'm so old, you see, I had a full grant. So you're rub it you in. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm old. That is old. That that is that is old. What's your what was your uni? I'm not gonna say. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was yours? Sussex. Hundred and sixty pound a month. Anyway, that's this week's quiz. Thank <laughs> you, Ellie. Sort of run out of there, didn't it? Um, anyway, let's go on to uh, more serious matters. Now, let's go on to Grenfell, uh, Rachel Wearmouth, who is on my right. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Um, <laughs> doing some fantastic stuff on Grenfell reporting, really getting down there, speaking to lots of residents. And you were at the first council meeting of Kensington and Chelsea Council yesterday, weren't you, since the tragedy? And if you just want to, let's have a little clip, actually, first, of, of some of the, the kind of anger that went on there. Councillor Fort walked past me the morning after the Brentford Tower fire and accused me somehow of making political capital out of what happened. Yes, so you heard there the kind of anger from some of the survivors. Rachel, talk us through what this meeting was about and what was it like? Um, well, they didn't get a great deal of, of business through. Um, I think what it, it boiled down to essentially was... Um, given residents and survivors a chance to um, vent their frustration at the council and how it's responded since. Um, heard time and time again that so many people have not been rehoused yet. A lot of them have lived um, in Grenfell since since birth or f- for 10 or 20 years and they still have nowhere to live. You know, you're having whole families of four in one hotel room, um, it's, it's the stories you hear. Um, it's just extraordinary, really. And there was quite a powerful moment, I think, where uh, was it an Iranian woman through a translator? Yeah, held up a, the key to her flat. She what did. Was, yeah. What happened there? I, um, she was just talking us through just how many memories that um, house had for her that she had with her family. Um, she was also saying that. Um, uh, the UK likes to talk so much about um, human rights and criticise other countries for having a lack of human rights, but um, this is how council tenants are, are treated in this country. Um, just, yeah, it was a, the most stunning meeting I've ever been to. Really? Yeah. And, what was, um, and there was something to do with the fire escapes being locked as well, which sounds... Yeah. It's unbelievable. And, well, the security was just so unbelievably tight because they were expecting trouble, and there was a lot of talk that that class war who are a bit like an anarchist kind of group are going to turn up um, and they're known um, or have been known to be violent in the past and um, they were expecting something similar so they had security guards everywhere Um, and there was a public gallery upstairs where all of the survivors were sitting but someone wanted to come downstairs and speak but the the fire escape was was locked to them so they were busy banging on the door and that the room was about ready to explode at that point I think um yeah, so they, they eventually did get through, but um, quite unfortunately for one of the Conservative councillors, he was seen to to mouth, don't let them in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the really same really time, really 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 which kind of that, encapsulates yeah. the why oh, people wow. are so frustrated with this council. Sums it, up, isn't it? it does, yeah. And what was the reaction of the councillors there? Was there kind of the action, reaction of, okay, we're going to sit back and let people vent at us because we know they need to vent, or were they trying to argue with them? I saw there was there was people from the action group before we said we raised it to the year in 2005. We had another scare in 2013. Yada yada yada. What was the reaction? Um, well, Elizabeth Elizabeth Campbell, the new the new leader who takes over from Nicholas Paget Brown, was was um, officially confirmed at the meeting, and she got up to speak. Not that many people could hear much of what she was saying because she faced calls: stand down, resign, murderer. Um, really? Straight away, people were saying. Uh, that. Yeah, from across the room, it was. Um, n- yeah, nobody was holding holding back at all. It was quite 
and um, well we, we were there for almost four hours my goodness yeah um and she just apologized and really just um the sort of conservative cabinet were just taking it by and large um i don't think they i don't think there would have been any mileage in them trying to argue any points at this stage because i think um this is still a community very much in in shock um, and what was interesting about it it seemed was that this they, they, they had the deputy leader out and about this morning doing his best to sort of uh, um, appear tone deaf again. Um, and another person with a double barrel is her name. Uh, what's he called again? He's called, um, I can't remember, is it something Smith? Something um, Kim, Kim Taylor, Kim Kim Taylor, Taylor Smith. Smith, yeah. But he pointed out, he was trying to make a virtue of the fact they had this meeting, and that's fine, they had a public meeting, and it lasted a long time, like you say. But he said, you know, this is the longest meeting we've ever had. And you, it was almost like, hold on a sec, w if you'd had some long public meetings before, maybe you wouldn't be in this mess yeah. right now. Incredible. And and it's quite extraordinary, really. You know, that's the problem. It's this. That's why they're going to be taken over in terms of governance and community engagement by, you know, this new sort of hit squad that's coming in from that's centrally imposed on them because they still don't get it. Um, but it's interesting that when it comes to community engagement that, uh, this was a novelty for them. That was obvious from last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, Elizabeth Campbell, the, the new leader, she was saying that this, this has underlined to them that their attempts so far at community engagement and community engagement have been completely hollow. Um, but it, that just felt like a bit too little, a bit too too yeah. late. Um, yeah, and I think there was a, there's a lot of question over um, exactly where the book stops. Um, it, it appears to be the new chief executive because there's a lot of question of whether it, all decisions are being made by Whitehall at the moment because they have this um, task force that is um, working with the council. But everyone was calling, sending the commissioners. They want completely independent right. commissioners. There's and, and there's this inquiry that's, that uh, is being set up Mm -hmm. And you spoke to uh, you spoke to Labour's Shadow Justice Justice Secretary Richard Bergen about this, didn't you? Yes. And he made quite an interesting point about how people need to separate out what the inquiry is able to do and the people that are telling it what to do with the Prime Minister. And here's just <laughs> a little clip of that there. Um, and people need to know that it's the responsibility of the Prime Minister uh, because of the 2005 Inquiries Act. It's responsibility of the Prime Minister to sign off the terms of reference. So if the Prime Minister doesn't believe the terms of reference are wide enough. Uh, then she has the power to ask for them to be made uh, uh, wider. Something that has disturbed me is people missing out the government's responsibility uh, in this. I understand why people are suspicious of authority. I understand why people who have been let down by a local authority run by the Conservatives and a national government run by the Conservatives. I understand why when a judge that they've never heard of comes along they're automatically suspicious. I understand because they feel let down. But what we can't allow to happen is for the um, for people to almost use the judge as a proxy for the government. The judge has got a job to do, um, an independent job to do. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the government, uh, the government's nominated minister, in this case the prime minister, is responsible for signing off the terms of the uh, inquiry. Um, and. The Prime Minister needs to make sure that they're wide enough. Don't Actually, get angry with the people if they're just doing the job they've been told they can do. Get angry yes. with people who are telling them what they can and yeah. can't do in their job, um, which is Theresa May, right? And, and, and yeah, I mean, poor old Sir Martin Murbick is, is really getting it in the, the neck, left, right and centre. Um, I think what most residents seem to want to happen is that they would, they would like um, an independent panel to be advising him as well. They particularly want it to be ethnically diverse. That's something that um, Jeremy Corbyn has called for as well, considering... Um, all the different ethnicities that um, lived in Grenfell Tower. So, 
um, how that pans out is is going to be that interesting. That sounds like as well. a good compromise, isn't it? A sort of people's panel that's representative, advising the public inquiry. Um, and again, it shows that jo Jeremy Corbyn actually is thinking ahead, several chess moves ahead in this whole thing. Um, and all right, J Sajid Jav is doing his best, but it proves that you do need to push them to get um, real change, I think. Do we, just finally on, on Grenfell, you, you've been doing some really good work on it. A lot of journalists, to be fair, have been going down to public meetings. You've done some really good work. I'm not just saying that because you work for us and you're wonderful. But do we <laughs> get the feeling that the media is sort of moving its eye off it a little bit and it's not quite getting the... Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's not quite getting the attention it should get. Um, I, th I think I, I agree with that, actually. Yeah, I think... Um, People that, are that the next story almost, don't they? That is probably true, or... I don't know how much of that is just down to, to news fatigue. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it does seem that people moving on faster than they might have done for um, Hillsborough when it happened at the time. Um, yeah, it does seem like people move on quick. Well, we won't. We'll keep an eye on it all over the summer. And speaking of it, of the summer, he says, this is it now, isn't it? Are we going to do any more? We're going to do some more Commerce People in the summer. We're not going to do them in the same format because there's no parliament. But we're going to do some more, aren't we, Ned? We're going to work on something, aren't we? Something special. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we Ned. Yeah, working on it now. Yeah, just thinking. What, of what have we got planned for? Oh, Ned, tell, I'll us, let, I'll let, I'll tell us what we're going to do. In the no, I don't want to ruin it. Because Paul's stopping his war zone, slacker. Yeah. So that's down the bottom of your war zone. Leaving on a jet plane, I'm out of here. See you <laughs> in. But then he put see you <laughs> in September. But don't worry, I'm doing work in August. It's so <laughs> true. <laughs> Completely true. Is that because we've got a new boss now, and you've got to like make sure that she knows you're doing work? <laughs> so unacceptable, isn't he? But yes, we will be doing some podcasts we'll be doing something. In, a, in a format of talking to one-on-ones uh, to, one -on to MPs and yeah, others. Yeah, we've got some we've got some stuff lined up. So it's very exciting, listeners. So just just trust us, okay? Um, but anyway, have a good summer if you're not listening to the regular ones. Um, and yeah, we'll um, we'll be back in this format. I guess uh, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. <laughs> Is that a quiz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll only have a job in eight weeks. Uh, anyway, see you everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.